Tet Elul. Tafshin Ayin Tet. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The great Ariel Zilber brings us Hageulan, opens up this live edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome in, one and all. 
to the Nachum Siegel Network and our weekly get-together here. We are on each and every Monday immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern Time, 4 PM Israel Time and around the world. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time we're on. Right? Right. But of course, if you can't listen to us live... You can listen to us whenever you want via the app, via the great Nachum Siegel Network app, and online at nachumsegel.com, all these places. And now, I've discovered you could also sign up, you can subscribe to the podcast, and just have the show brought into your device automatically every week. It is amazing! (laughs) And thank you all so much for joining us. We're going to um, focus a good part of the show on the story of Ellie Cohen. I'm sure many of you know the general gist of the story. But uh, I've discovered over the last weekend that many people don't. Even people within our own community who are not familiar with the story of Ellie Cohen, especially younger people. So Netflix comes to the rescue. Netflix uh, released on Friday a six-part miniseries, I I forgot what they call it exactly, um, on the life of Eli Cohen, sort of the life of Eli Cohen, his life as a spy for the Israeli Mossad in the 1960s, and uh, his rise to, to great heights in the Syrian hierarchy, and eventually his uh, capture and fall. I don't think there's a, that's a spoiler, right? <laughs> so we'll discuss it. I actually sat through it all, watched all six episodes so that I could report back to you today and tell you uh, what I thought of it and also use the opportunity to speak a little bit about Ellie Cohen, which is a subject that has um, fascinated me and many, many, many others for a very long time. We also have a brand new song from Yishai Rebo. It is making amazing headway all over the world. People are just, can't stop praising how fantastic this song is. How moving, how uh, how on the spot it is. It's called Seder HaAvodah. It, um, it is based on words from the Seder HaAvodah, which is, uh, we say on Yom Kippur, we follow along what the Kohen Gadol would do in the Bet HaMikdash and what what happened afterwards, and this um, is his interpretation of it, both in word and in melody, and it really is something special. So we'll share that with you as well, and lots of other great, great music. All coming up during this edition of The Israel Show. We'll get to all of that after Aharon Razel, who uh, has his brother Yonatan join him for this particular song. Ten tayom hazeh. Give me this day, this beautiful day. Let's use it for the best. Let's use it as best as possible. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. לא אביט לאחוריי, השביל פתוח לפניי, לא יכולתי לחכות, 
ארכו לי לילותיי, תן לי את היום הזה, תן לי את היום הזה. עגלה עוברת וקוראת אליי, בוא השמש בעיניי, כלימות הלב הם צעדיי. בואו, בואו, בואו אחריי, חפשו בחול את תקוותיי. יש לי את היום הזה, לא מעט הוא כי הרבה. עגלה עוברת וקוראת אליי, בואו עליה. נופפו על גבי, אצרור בו את ספר תפילותיי, פנקס לרשום בו את שירי, תן לי את השיר הזה, לא מעט הוא כי הרבה, עגלה עוברת וקוראת אליי בועלה, עגלה עוברת וקוראת אליי בועלה. Give me this day that I should use it to the best of my abilities. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Netflix released a, um, a series this past Friday about the life of Ellie Cohen. And... Uh, I, I watched through it, and I will tell you my opinion of it a little later. I want to share with you first a little bit of uh, some, some outline of the life of Ellie Cohen, who he was, what he was, and uh, also to mention that a little later on in the show, we have um, clips from an interview that Ellie's daughter, Sophie, 
who was about four and a half when he was captured and says she has some memories of him. Um, she gave an interview about the series, I believe, yesterday, and we have clips for you, and we'll share them with you uh, a little later on. Ellie Cohen came from a family that originated in Aleppo, Aramtsova, Khaleb, in Syria. His father, his parents, emigrated from Syria to Egypt in like 1914. And Eli Cohen was born in 1924 in Alexandria. He was very active in the Bet Knesset, in the synagogue, in the shul of the community. He studied very well. He knew many Mishnayot Baal Peh. That's what uh, I've read. And he was a really active participant in the Bet Knesset. He was clearly a very traditional uh, young man, as were most Sephardic Jews. In um, 1949, when the State of Israel was declared, a great number of Egyptian Jews, even though they had been living in Egypt for ages, centuries, left and went to uh, the new state of Israel, including most of Eli Cohen's family. He stayed in Egypt. What's interesting is that during his stay in Egypt, he was a very he was an active Zionist, and he was involved in uh, some early type of espionage in uh, in 55 he secretly visited Israel and received some uh, Mossad training he was somewhat involved in the famous uh, Lavon affair in which Israel helped young Egyptian Jews uh, plant bombs in strategic areas, the idea was that the Egyptians would think that it was uh, Americans and 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 British terrorists, Western sabotage, and that that would turn uh, that would create a, a rift between the West and and Egypt. Well, it didn't work. They were caught. Uh, several were hanged. Several were in prison until for many years until, I think, after 67, they were released. Eli Cohen was arrested as part of that group, but he managed to wiggle his way out of um, of any sort of indictment and so forth. He, he went scot-free, which showed us very early on that he had that ability to be very convincing and to be a good actor and make believe he had no idea, no clue about what was going on. He um, got to Israel in at the late '56, and um, in '59 he got married to Nadia, who was still alive. Never remarried. Um, he wanted to join the Mossad. So the movie says, I don't remember if uh, that part of it is true. I do remember that they tried to get him to join, and he really didn't want to. That's the way I remember the story. In the movie, they portray 
obviously in a movie they're going to change facts around to make the story better. Everybody understands that. You'll hear his daughter Sophie, who uh, whose interview will bring you parts of the interview later in the show. She she says it as well. We understand that it's a movie. We understand that uh, it's based on a story. It's adopted from adapted from a story uh, that is real, but it's it's it it never is going to be the actual story. So in the movie they show that um, he tried to get into the Mossad. In fact, he didn't want to get into the Mossad. I guess he just wanted to leave a, lead a quiet family life. He worked in the Majbir, which was a supermarket chain, in the accounting division. And just to give you an idea, once the Mossad understood that this man is the guy who can do it, he had all the capabilities and they had him tagged, they forced the Majbir to fire him. And then, when he had no work and couldn't get a job, they came and offered him employment. It's amazing, right? The Mossad has to be ruthless on all sides, right? The Mossad recruited him and trained him, and basically the idea was for him to um, embed himself in Syria and try and get into the society, high society circles, most importantly the high society political circles in, uh, in Syria. He was sent to Argentina first, where he would establish himself in the Syrian expat community there, and from there he went to Syria. And he did manage to embed himself in a way that one can't even begin to imagine. He was pals with the highest levels of Syrian government and military. And he brought to Israel some very important information which saved many lives and as Levi Eshkol then the Prime Minister of Israel said was instrumental also in helping the uh, State of Israel take the Golan Heights during the uh, 67 war don't want to give away too many of the little details ultimately he was captured in January of 65. So he spent uh, a number of years in Syria and was able to really do amazing, amazing work. How was he captured? All these questions are part of the mystery that surround Ellie Cohen. One of the one of the one of the uh, characters in the in the series is Ellie Cohen's brother, who uh, Maurice, who also worked at the Mossad. What are the chances? And uh, Maurice wrote a lot later in life about his experiences and the story of Ellie Cohen. There's tons of stuff on the internet if you really want to get into it. 
we'll try and bring you more details in the coming weeks. We do have a lot of material that we've um, collected over the years. EllieCohen.org, E-L-I-C-O-H-E-N.org. So what is my feeling about the series as a whole? We'll get to that right after Hamadregot with Uvechein Naktishach, Naktishcha Melech, also from the um, High Holidays Liturgy. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're talking about the uh, Ellie Cohen series. It's called The Spy, by the way. 
the official name of it, the story of Eli Cohen. After seeing it, and I pretty much binge-watched, let's see, I think, uh, similar to what you'll hear later, I did three episodes and three episodes uh, binge-watching. It's Hollywood. It's a production. It's it's a cinematic production. It's not... It's not a, 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 a doctoral thesis. It's not um, any sort of geopolitical analysis. So you have to come into it with low expectations. There's no no there, there's no room for in a, in a Hollywood production for any sort of uh, deep understanding or or um, or a discussion about. Uh, the perils that Israel was in during that time, how how perilous Israel felt, how powerless, to some extent, Israel felt against the huge enemies such as uh, Egypt and Syria. So for me, if the goal is to get out the story, to let the general public know that there was a Jewish hero by the name of Eli Cohen, who managed, through his cunning to infiltrate the highest levels of Syrian government and military in the 1960s. And Israel does not come out of it looking bad, as it does all too often in many of these shows or movies. I think it's great. It's achieved a great purpose. And one of the reasons that Israel comes out looking good is because this was before 67 when Israel was weak and when Jews are weak we're popular when we're strong we're not very popular and as my father used to say if I had to choose I'd go with the strong and popular many cliches many cliches about Israel many cliches about uh, I'm sure about Arab life in Syria there's some cinematic issues I found it Somebody pointed out, and I found it very interesting, Israel in the, during the entire uh, series is portrayed in very dull colors, while Syria is portrayed in very sharp, uh, bright colors, distinctive colors, um, maybe to show that Israel was, at the time, poor, going through a very difficult period of time. It was uh, a time where people didn't all have phones in their homes in uh, in the mid-1960s. In fact, they didn't have a phone in their home. Um, the Cohens, that is. Um, Ellie Cohen, which is I find this interesting also, Ellie Cohen in the movie, in the series, is portrayed by another Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen, who most people would... Who, who know anything about him would view as a as a a joker and a, a a rather crude sometimes sometimes crude entertainer Borat is uh, he's well known for and other kind of crazy um, movies and TV shows Ali G I think was his and so forth so he's not known as a dramatic actor but he does a great great job here he really does. Um, I, I think um, he he gets special praise for um, f- for portraying Ellie Cohen in a very dignified and 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 positive way. 
Um, as I mentioned, there's a lot of little details that are wrong. Okay, that happens. You know, they show that when he was discovered and, and, and caught, captured, he was in the middle of um, a broadcast, uh, to Morse code broadcast to Israel, to the Mossad. Uh, that's not true. He was not. Um, there's a story where his brother Maurice, who also worked for the Mossad, discovered that his brother Eli Cohen was the famous man in Damascus that the Mossad had, this famous spy, nobody knew who it was. And he was able to put two and two together and discover it. That was um, not something that the Mossad is very proud of. That that should not have happened. And uh, it infuriated Eli Cohen. The story is told there. It's it's it. You see it there, but it's not in all its uh, in all its detail. Towards the end of his time there, they portray him as being very nervous and very concerned, and it is a bone of contention whether the Mossad pushed him to go back for another stint or not. In the movie, it's portrayed that they did, and uh, it would seem that his family believes that he didn't want to go back, that as much as he understood how high of a level he reached and how much he might be, good he might be able to do he just felt too nervous and uh he felt it was he was it was it was getting too close for comfort and he didn't want to go back the Mossad promised him that this would be his last time and then ultimately he gets caught the film starts interesting the series starts with um the Syrian police or military waking up the chief rabbi of um, of um, Damascus, bringing him to the prison, and Eli Cohen writing his last letter. That story is true. Um, Rav Andovo, who was the rabbi of Damascus, was given permission, was uh, brought into the uh, prison cell, and uh, sat with Eli Cohen. He um, later told people that he said with Eli Cohen, Sidu Kadin, and uh, other tefillot that one would say at that time, some vidui, etc. And then he said Kaddish for his father. That's so amazing. Um, he asked Ravindovo to tell this. This is not in the movie, but this is in real life. He asked the chief rabbi to tell his family that he fulfilled his duty to the end and was true patriot to his people and his country to the last minute. And his last request in a letter that he wrote to his wife is Hitpalelu Le'ilui Nishmati Pray for my neshama, le'ilui nishmati. And uh, since I read that a number of years ago, um, we spoke about it on JM and DM quite a number of years ago. We always try to remember on Tetzayin Iyar, which is the day he was hanged, to remember him and to Davin as he asked, le'ilui nishmato, 
one request that he had of us. He did so much for us, the Jewish people, one request he had for us, from us. So put it on your calendar as well, Tetzayin Iyar, every year. He was hanged at the age of 40. We have some clips from uh, his daughter Sophie. We'll play them after this next song. This is uh, from the Slichot of the Ashkenazim. I don't know if it's in the Sephardi Slichot or not. Rachamana, It's from Kolachai's album, Bikarov. Rachamana, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Rachamana. Nine, 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 nine,
Off of their album Bikarov, that was um, Rachamana. And um, finishing up our um, review of the Ellie Cohen series on Netflix called The Spy was released on Friday. I'm going to share with you uh, three short clips from an interview that his daughter Sophie, Sophie Bendor is her name, and she gave an interview. Uh, so these clips are from Israel Television Channel 12. Uh, from their morning show Um, I do want to point out a couple things listener Moshe mentions that um, he met somebody who was as well a um, Israeli from Arab country who was a spy in an Arab country but never got caught and that's the truth there are dozens and dozens of Israeli spies who never got caught and we don't know of their existence who, who were probably as brave as Eli Cohen uh, maybe you also made it very high up in uh, in in the this in, in the um, military or uh, political worlds of the countries they were in, but we'll never know about them, and it's important to remember that for sure. Um, there's a very good book which I read. It's a relatively new book by Mati Friedman, M A T T I Friedman. You can find it anywhere. It's called Spies of No Country. And it's about um, the lives of four Sephardic Jews who in uh, 1946, 47, 48 served as spies in Arab countries um, even before the state of Israel was declared. That's why it's called Spies of No Country. And uh, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, it's very, uh, it's a, worth, a worthwhile book. I should also mention that Ellie Cohen's body was never returned to Israel. That would be a typical thing that would happen, but in this case, the Syrian 
leadership was so embarrassed, they were so angered that they had been duped by a Jew, no less, that they didn't want to hear about it. They, they didn't want to hear about the name. It infuriated them. And so they decided not to return the body until this very day. Ellie Cohen's wife, Nadia, has spearheaded many efforts to get the body back. I believe that Malcolm Holmline had uh, brought that up in a meeting that he had with Bashar Assad. And uh, my feeling is that they themselves at this point really don't know where it is. I have a feeling. I might be wrong. Um, the, the, ser- the series ends, by the way, with a clip, which I believe is genuine because I have that video. It's on YouTube of Ellie Cohen hanging in the public square in Damascus. He, he hanged there for six hours, or he hung there for six hours. I'm not sure. Um, here is uh, the clips from Ellie Cohen's daughter, Sophie. She's asked what she thought of uh, of the Netflix uh, version of her uh, father's life. קודם כל, הסיפור עצמו, להקל אותו שוב, כמו שהוא, את הסיפור שלנו, כפי שאנחנו מכירים אותו, זה כבר קשה. חלקים מסוימים אני לא יכולה להקל עד היום. ניתן פה לגידי רף חופש אומנותי לכתוב יצירה משל עצמו שבעצם מתכתבת, נושקת ומדברת עם הדמות של המשפחה שלי כפי שהוא רואה אותה, כפי שהציבור ראה אותה, כפי שזה נכתב. יש פה הרבה גמישות בסיפור ולא תמיד זה קל לי. It's obviously difficult. Um, this is the story of her father who... Last time she saw him, she was the age of four, um, and she grew up without him. He was, um, he was a symbol, he was an icon in Israel, but she grew up without a father. And so it's difficult, and she says it's difficult for her to watch. And she says there's still parts of the story that she hard for her to, 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 to stomach. Uh, she, she is cognizant of the fact that Giddy Reif, who is the uh, writer had freedom to write what he wanted, you know, artistic freedom. And uh, she says it's a story that touches upon the real story. It's sort of sort of like the real story. And they say that it's based or adapted by, from the, the story of Ellie Cohen. But clearly there are moments that are not easy for, uh, for them to see. Um, that is her first comment. The second comment... Um, she tells about something specific that troubled her in the um, in the series. So she points out that uh, something that really bothered her, one of the things was the way her parents were portrayed, especially her mother, as a very low level. Um, her mother's portrayed as working for a rich family as a seamstress, a helper, and uh, she says uh, that's not true. Obviously what the filmmakers were trying to do, I'm adding this in now, is to show 
that Sephardic Jews in Israel at that time were not part of high society, but uh, she feels that they're, they are demeaned too much. And, and she makes the point, which I didn't know, that her mother was a nurse. And, um, you know, that's a far cry from being a seamstress. But in the movie, they wanted to portray them as this, um, you know, family from the low, lower echelons of Israeli society. And the last, in the last uh, clip here that we'll play for you, she comments in general about the idea of having uh, this um, series about her father made by Netflix. זה לא קל שהופכים את זה לסיפור, בטח אה, זה קצת בידר אותנו וזה קצת העציב אותנו, לאבא לא היו את היכולות האתלטיות, אבל אני מבינה שככה אנשים היום מקבלים תכנים. זה, זה זר לי, הצורת ההתבטאות הזאת בסדרה טלוויזיונית כלל עולמית לא מתאים לסיפור שלנו, אבל אני מבינה את המצב. She, she's very realistic. She says, I understand that this is the way that in today's world we bring stories and information to people. It's, it's foreign to me. It's foreign to me, and it's hard for me to understand that uh, our story becomes like that. But I do understand it, and, and on that level, I also respect what they've done. So I'm happy, at least on that level, that they feel that... Um, the story of their I hope they feel this way that the story of their father is getting out and more people will know about him around the world and hopefully honor his uh, honor his memory Yishai Rebo what a talent what an amazing talent he's coming out with a new album Uh, I think on Tet Vav, so that's, I guess, 10 days from today, Tet Vav Elul, <coughs> of uh, Yamim Noraim songs. Some are covers, some he wrote. The name of the album is Elul Tafshim Ayin Tet. How do you like that? Hmm. And he released this song called Seder HaAvodah, which is just capturing everybody. Everybody's attention, everybody's emotions... People just love the song. And uh, we're going to play it in its entirety for you. It's uh, just under six minutes, but it's really special. It's based on the Seder HaAvodah, the, um, the particular uh, actions that the Kohen Gadol had to do in the Bet HaMikdash on Yom Kippur. We say it in, in its entirety on Yom Kippur uh, towards the end of Musaf. different versions and different edot, but the idea in both, in all, are the same. And the, um, the refrain is, V'ha'koanim v'ha'am ha'omdim ba'zara, these are words straight out of the, out of the Seder HaVodah, the rest are not. K'sha'ayu shomim et sheim Hashem ha'mifawrash yotzei mipi kohen gadol, hayu korim mishtachavim enoflim apnehem, barur shem kvod machuto le'olam va'ed. Maybe next week we'll have more time and we'll uh, share with you an analysis of the words. In the meantime, just sit back and enjoy Yishai Rebo, Seder HaAvodah. My name is Mayor Wangat and you're tuned to The Israel Show 
on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yishai Rebo with uh, Seder HaAvodah, brand new, released just a few days ago. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We don't have a lot of time, but I do want to bring you up to date about the uh, elections in Israel, which take place in, what did we say, eight days or something like that? It's like amazing how quick it's coming. Um, we don't do predictions here, but we'll just tell you what the trends are the labor party the party that was the ruling controlling party the one that founded the state of israel as they like to say and controlled it until 1977 um may disappear it um it just has not caught on the message that it's trying to give has not caught on the leadership is not powerful enough and some would say also there's racial issues there because it is led by two Sephardim the battle is really between Kaholavan and the Likud plus the block of right wing and religious parties that go with the Likud these elections were called because Benjamin Netanyahu the Prime Minister could not put together a coalition from the last elections in April. That means nobody won the elections in April, and now they're going to do a. Now they're having this do-over. Why do we think people changed their opinion? The only thing that changed in a major way is a Victor Lieberman, who just decided to take on suddenly out of the blue an anti-religious, anti-right-wing platform which is bringing him new voters, voters that uh, hadn't found their place probably in the last elections. The right wing, unfortunately, continues with its folly of breaking itself into little pieces, although uh, Moshe Feiglin, I have to give him credit, joined up with the Likud. But uh, Otsma Yehudit, led by Itamar Ben-Gvir, insists on running 
claiming that uh, they hope that they'll get uh, the block of four seats and uh, refusing to understand that the risk is too high. And Noam, party, a Khardali party led by Rav Tau, who also, if they stay in the race, are going to do nothing but siphon off a few tens of thousands of votes from the religious Zionist bloc that could could end up being the uh, the difference between having a left-wing government and a right-wing government. So it is quite close, and I'm surprised that it doesn't get more coverage, but it's um, it's going to be a very tight election, and we really don't know what's going to happen. It could be a major shift in, uh, in, in, in Israeli uh, leadership. We're going to close out with uh, a beatbox version of Adon HaSelichot, First, we say thank you for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then Novik Now with Jake Novik. Why are young Americans more liberal and young Israelis more conservative? That is the issue that Jake will discuss. And then Great Monday Music Marathon will, will commence. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie and the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Thank <laughs> you.